0: to me, is an awesome thing. I mean, if I the way I was before I was a Christian to who I am now is is completely the polar opposite. You know, if, if you guys, you know, some of you guys, a couple of you guys may have known me before, but, uh, you know, I wasn't the person that I am now, obviously. So as we look to Romans chapter 6, hopefully we'll be able to walk away with something that the Lord will, you know, be able to share with us and and teach us. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus God, and we are so grateful, Lord, that you've blessed us, Lord, with the ability, Lord, to come to you when we are struggling, when we are attacked, when we desire to give into sin, Lord, but we, our spirit doesn't want to, Lord, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak, Lord. And God, we just lift this time to you. We ask that you would bless your word, that it would go forth with power and with with might, Lord, and that we would be able to receive, Lord, as as you have given uh, to all of us, Lord, um, a measure, Lord. And I just thank you, and I just pray that you would bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 23, says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we, should, that we would no longer or should no longer be slaves of sin, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were freed in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit in holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a mouthful, huh? So Paul preaches salvation by grace, which many in his day, as well as in our own, uh, took to mean that you could do whatever you want and it wouldn't matter. I mean, you and I hopefully know different that we just can't go out and, hey, let's sin and let's do whatever we want because grace is going to abound. So hopefully we don't take it that way, but many in his day would take it that way. And some people even today will do that. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, but where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And Paul, you know, he always seemed to know when people would take his statements out of context and that they would make a pretext in order to do the things that they desired to do anyway. You know, a lot of us, we desire to, to do, we're stubborn and we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to yield to the Spirit all the time. And we push and we... You know, we, we, we kind of sear our conscience. And we make the Holy Spirit in our lives pretty much of no avail because we ignore Him. You know, and, and that's not what the Lord wants. So God desires for us to yield to the Holy Spirit, to listen to Him. And when He calls on us to stop sinning, that we stop sinning. You know, before we didn't have the ability. We weren't saved. We didn't know Christ. And if you know Christ, if you know Jesus tonight you now have the ability. It doesn't mean you're going to be sin-free. It doesn't mean that you're no longer going to commit any acts of sin because we all commit sin in one way or another, either in thought, word, or deed, every day. And if you don't think you do, next time you drive down the freeway, take a look at your speedometer, right? Breaking the law, right? We're lawbreakers by nature. We're sinful people. You know? I, I mean, sometimes we like to think we're not, but really we are. And so Paul... You know, he was a wise a wise man. He, he knew the hearts of these people. And that's why he went on to explain his statements. He knew many would take the opportunity to do the wrong thing and say that if sin, sin brings grace, well, let's go out and sin. And that's not the attitude we should have. After all, sin is fun. And if it brings grace, then, well, that's an added bonus, right? I mean, that's what they would say. But look, we all know that sin is fun, right? But for a season. And then you pay the price. And the Bible says you reap what you sow. So if you sow corn, don't expect to get peas. You know what I mean? If you sow to the flesh, don't expect to sow or reap to the Spirit. We need to sow to the Spirit so we'll reap the things of the Spirit. And Paul is making an emphatic statement you know, in chapter 6 here, that we need to sow to the Spirit to be dead to our sin, but alive in Christ. Hallelujah? You know? Sin is fun, but only for a season. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22 through 25 says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Passing pleasures. You know, we'll go through a time in our lives as Christians where we just, you know, we just ignore the Holy Spirit and we just do what we want to do. And it's like beating our head against the wall. We know that when we sin, when we commit those acts of sin, we know how we feel afterwards. We know how detached we feel from the Lord and how detached we feel from other people, be it our family, our body of Christ, the church that we go to, how we... Wear our emotions on our sleeves, some of us. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, as you're beating your head against the wall, you just don't care. Because you want to do what you want to do. I want to do what I want to do. Regardless of how I know how it makes me feel. You know, or how my relationship with the Lord or with other people is affected. And that shouldn't be. You know, we should, we should desire, we should strive to walk with the Lord with our whole hearts. To set aside our, our fleshly desires. And to walk with Christ. You know, and, and not not allow ourselves to be, you know, slaves to this world. And the things that it has to offer. Because what it has to offer ultimately is sin and death. And that's nothing. I mean, that's nothing that you want. Nothing that I want. So in verse 1 and 2 he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin? That grace may abound? Certainly not. How should we who died to sin live any longer in it? He said, what shall we say about the grace of God, right? I mean, here's yet another one of Paul. Paul is really famous for rhetorical questions. He asks a question that has an obvious answer. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer is no. Of course not. I mean, that's just, it goes contrary to what God in his word says. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? And he answers with an emphatic, no. Are you crazy? You know? And sometimes I look at myself and I think that too. You know, I mean, do I want to continue sinning? Do I want to continue to do those things? And I think to myself, why? Why do I want to do those things? Why do they have such a draw on my life? And if I'm being honest, it's because I'm flesh. And because my flesh gets up. And because, you know, sin is fun at times but no longer as you walk with the lord should you desire to live in that place we should always fight by the power of the holy spirit against sin in our lives in our hearts as it tries to make that foothold it tries to grab hold of us how is it that we've died to sin with christ as christians but we continue to live a sinful life and i'm not talking like i said about you go out and oh man you trip up you sin things happen you know we're human but how is it that we continue to live a life that's poured out and turned over to sin, but yet yeah, we come to church? If the two, are, the two are like oil and water, you know, or like I told you guys last time, I think, the opposite sides of a magnet, they just repel each other. You know, the desire is for us that as Christians that we want to be here. And when we're in sin and we're committing continual acts of sin and living a habitual lifestyle of sin but coming to church... It's because the Holy Spirit wants to change us. It doesn't mean, oh, well, you know, I guess I shouldn't come to church anymore. No, you shouldn't sin anymore, right? You shouldn't continue to give yourself over to sin. I shouldn't continue to give myself over to sin, right? I mean, we go to the opposite extreme and say, oh, well, well, I guess I need to get out of the church then because, you know, hey. No, we need to get sin out of our lives. And that's what Jesus Christ came and died for, to remove sin, to put an end to sin in our bodies the conviction of the spirit is kind of like pain you know when you you have pain in your body you know and your central nervous system's working pain is actually a good thing because pain lets you know one you're alive and two that something's wrong the holy spirit is like that and when you get that burning conviction in your heart when you're about to do something you shouldn't do that's not gas okay that's not that burrito that you ate What that is, that's the Holy Spirit saying, stop. We always want to say, oh Lord, please just stop me before I, you know, before I sin. But we want some miraculous, like, you know, guy on a white horse with a flaming sword to come between us and sin. That's not how it works. What we end up with is a little conviction in our hearts. But you can turn that conviction off by ignoring it continuously, you know, and then before you know it, You're just in full-blown sin. You know, I've been there before as a Christian in my younger days in the Lord, you know, and that's not where you want to be. Yeah, I was going to church. Yeah, I was doing the things that, you know, Christians do. No, I wasn't going out and, and, you know, doing a bunch of horrible things, but I just wasn't doing the right things, you know. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, it's sin to him. So I was doing all those things that I knew not to do, you know. And the Lord had to grab hold of my heart and change me and move me in the direction that he desired. He had to bring me to a place where I could actually come and I can weep over my sin and I can be broken. And then he said, okay, now, now I got you in a place where I can use you. And that's what the Lord desires for each and every one of us. To get us to a place where we're divested of ourselves so that he can move in and take hold of our lives. You know, but we have to we're an active participant in our salvation. So, you know, we have to want to. God is a perfect gentleman. He's never gonna force us to do anything that we don't want to do. You know, if he if he was gonna do that, then we'd all be automatons, right? We'd be robots walking around, you know. Wouldn't have we'd have that free will switch shut off. But we have free will. Because God wants us to serve him and do these things out of love and not out of obligation or duty. If we continue to willfully sin, thinking grace is going to become plentiful, then we make our hearts callous. And we become much like Pharaoh was, where not only was his heart hardened, but then the Bible said that God allowed him to continue to be hardened. He strengthened him in his position, which is never good. When we make a mockery of Jesus and his death and resurrection, Verses 3 and 5 through 5, he says, Or do you not know that as many as were of, of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we, will also, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Paul's telling them and telling us to yield ourselves to God and present our bodies to God as an instrument of righteousness. If we consider ourselves to have died with Christ and risen in the newness of life, then sin won't rule in our our hearts and in our minds anymore. Again, not sinless perfection. Not you'll never sin. But it will not be the manner of your life to sin. You know, you won't leave church. I won't leave church. And say, hey man, amen brother, hallelujah, walk out, and then just start doing things I shouldn't be doing. Getting drunk, or whatever the case is, right? I won't be doing that. Because that's not the manner of my life. The Holy Spirit has come into my life and changed me, right? He's changed you. And that glory that all belongs to the Lord, and all the things that He's done for us. You know, we make ineffective if we continue doing the things that God desires for us not to do, the things that the Holy Spirit convicts us of doing. We identify with Christ and are baptized into his death. The word baptized in verse 3 means we identify with him and doesn't mean water baptism here. We're linked to him through his death and resurrection. The same use of the word baptized is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were united with him and recognized his leadership, and they depended upon him. And that's the same vibe that we get through, through the fact that we're baptized into his death and resurrection. You know, We're united. We're one with Christ. We walk with him. The word united in verse 5 means grown together and gives a picture of a tree branch being bound to another, they become grafted to one another. You ever seen those trees that are kind of woven in? It's really weird. You know, I mean, they depend on one another. You you start cutting one, the other one might die. You know, that's the picture you get when we're united with Christ. We're joined together with Jesus in the likeness of his death, but also in the likeness of his resurrection. Because, of course, he rose from the dead, right? He's alive. So if he's alive, then we're alive because he's alive within us. Amen. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross to the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. All those things of the world are dead to me. You know, I mean, though we try and poke at them to make sure they're alive, and sometimes we give them mouth-to-mouth because really we don't want our sin to be dead, you know. But if we just let it die, how much better off would we be? You know, there's so many things as a Christian that I struggle with for years, man. I've been a Christian for almost 20, for well, for 20 years now. And I'm telling you, I struggle with things... The same things for years. I mean, sometimes it just felt like, wow, when is this just going to go away? And, you know, the Lord kind of shared with me that it's going to go away when you stop touching it. <laughs> when you stop resuscitating it and giving it mouth to mouth, you know. When you leave it alone and just let it die. You know, you lay it at his feet. He takes it. And then you walk away and you don't look back with longing eyes, you know, to touch it, to grab it, to feel it. Who needs it? You know, all it did was brought sin and death to my life, you know. And so when you let it go, you feel much better spiritually, for sure. You know, and you realize that the Lord is alive. Because how can you struggle with something for so many years and then one day never struggle with it again, right? except by the grace of God. All of us were like that. We all had things. We all have hang-ups, you know? And God takes all of us sinners and makes us saints for His glory. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at, the, seated at the right hand of God. That's nice. I like that, you know? Since Christ died for our sins, we need to walk in the newness of life. Look, I'm a testament to the fact that it's not easy, you know, and it never is easy to die to yourself and to give things over to Christ. But God never said it would be easy, right? He just said it would be worth it. You know, to live a life freed from all the foolishness that we did, to be here in this room clothed insane? sane, I mean, imagine that. <laughs> you know, a bunch of people who in the world would probably never have hung out together are all here together, you know, because of the grace of God, right? Since Christ died for our sins, we need to walk in the newness of life. And that's something that we as Christians should always strive for, to walk in that newness. It's not a one-time thing, it's a daily purposeful living and walking in that newness, you know, to get up in the morning and to praise the Lord for another day, you know, you got up breathing. I don't know about you guys, but honestly, I like living, you know, (laughs) I like breathing. It's a good thing, you know, I mean, Living life, yeah, it can be trying, it can be taxing. I mean, you know, you guys and you, you you, ladies know, husbands, wives, you know, we can get on each other's nerves, our kids, you know, all the grind, the work, our bosses, the whole thing. And it can become a grind, but it's another day to get up. It's another opportunity to get up and do something right for the Lord. Another day to talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and to prayerfully you know, bring them to the Lord by the grace of God. It's another day to have our friends who were once saved once walking with the Lord and no longer care about the things of the Lord or just caught up in, in their, their lives. Like I was to get to church, our family that struggle because they're not walking with the Lord anymore. It's another day. It's a new day. And Instead of praying that the Lord would bring people into their lives, you know, to, to share the love of Christ with them, guess what? God brought you in their lives, brought me into my family and their lives to preach the gospel to them, to share with them. And praise God, he gave us another day to do it. Verses 6 through 10 says, Knowing this, that our old man, we're back in Romans 6, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Most of us know and understand what the old man is, right? The old man is our former selves, the person that we used to be before we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. The old man was crucified with Jesus on the cross. When he died for our sins, he died for our sins once and for all. You know, it's not an ongoing process. You know, we don't constantly, you know, Christ doesn't constantly get up on the cross. You know, he died once and for all for our sins. For your sins, for my sins, past, present, and future. All the things that we did commit are committing and will ever commit, he died for them all. So our old man was crucified with him. So what does that mean? That means that we died too. As you gave your life to Jesus Christ, as I gave my life to Jesus Christ, we died to our former selves. And we gave up our right to go back and grab hold of those things that drug us down because we gave them over to Christ. And there they lay at his feet, crucified. Crucified. And here we are, you know. We can be free from sin. And that doesn't mean, again, I mean, I can't reiterate it enough, it doesn't mean that we're never going to sin, okay. It just means that we can be free from a life of bondage, okay. The bondage of sin that weighs us down on a daily basis. I mean, there was days when I first started coming to this church that, I could feel the Holy Spirit just telling me, you know, because I'm wearing my emotions on my sleeve. I'm, you know, just not happy to be here, you know. And the Lord just, he made changes. He was faithful through the prayers of my wife, through the prayers of my friends to change me, to get me back on course with him and to no longer be in bondage to those things that weighed me down, but to be able to give them over and, and praise the Lord, you know, because he's done awesome things, you know, I mean, I'm blessed to teach some of you guys have high schoolers, you know, I'm blessed to teach them. I mean, with Mike and, and Steve, his brother, and, and man, I mean, it's a good time. It's a good time to be in the Lord and be, being busy about his business, you know, and, and trusting in him. Instead of trusting in, what, the world system, my flesh, who's going to be the next president, who cares, you know? I mean, my part is, you know, trusting the Lord and believing Him that He's going to take care of things, you know? That doesn't mean I don't have a part that I have to do or whatever. I mean, you guys know, I mean, you guys pray, you know, oh, Lord, bring me a job, and then we all go sit and watch Oprah, right? I mean, that's, that doesn't happen. You got to get out of the house. You got to knock on doors. You got to fill out applications, you know, the whole thing, right? I mean, but but ultimately, the Lord blesses us. The Lord moves us. He stirs us up. He changes us from within. We know we're no longer slaves to the ever demanding winds of sin, which is awesome to me, you know? I mean, I don't have to give in to sin anymore. Before, I didn't have a choice. You know? The old man was there. I just did whatever felt right. If it feels good, do it, right? I mean, that's the way we were. I mean, some of you guys grew up in the 60s. I didn't, but some of you guys did. (laughs) Right? If it feels good, do it. That's what it was, right? I wasn't far off. I was born in 72. My parents were sort of the hippie generation. So, But... It's nice to be here and not be a slave to sin any longer, you know? When Jesus died, he said he died once for all. The work was finished. Sin and death were defeated. It wasn't something that has to happen again. We've died with Christ and we're freed from sin. And hopefully it's not trying to get a grasp or we're not getting giving it a foothold again, you know? Hopefully now... Those of you that are Christians know that the Lord has a hold of you. And what God has put his hands on, no man can separate from it. You know what I mean? God is just, he's an awesome God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25 says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Uh, right, I mean, it sounds so easy, but we're so dumb, you know, and we, we don't do the things that we need to do. You know, I'm, I'm just, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm brain dead, you know, I'm just I, I go about my life doing the things that I do, you know, without thinking, you know, about the consequences. You know, and when the Lord grabs a hold of your life, even as a Christian, when you go through those dry times, if the Lord grabs hold of your life and he decides he wants to make a change, don't fight it. Don't change. I mean don't I mean don't stay the same rather. L- allow him to change you. Yeah, let's get a retake on that one. Anyway, but but don't let don't don't stay the same. Allow him to change you. Allow him to take that hard, fallow ground of the heart and break it up and get through to what really needs to happen in your life. Because you don't want to be the same you are today. I don't want to be the same that I am today, tomorrow. And I don't want to be the same today that I was yesterday. I want to be a different person. You know, it may be in, in small, minor increments at times that you see change in your life. But then all of a sudden you see a huge, huge change. <laughs> Knock the mic off. Then you see a huge change and it's like, Whoa, what's the Lord doing? And though it can be scary at times to see all the things changing in your life, even for the positive, it can still be scary because you're like, oh man, what's going to come next, you know? And you're not really sure what's going to happen in your life. It's a blessing. I'd rather be changing for the positive positive than the negative any day. If we accepted Jesus, then it's impossible to continue to live and sin the way we used to. The two are mutually exclusive. Our lives must change and keep changing. If they don't, then we're stagnant. In verse 11, chapter 6, he says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul tells us here that our position in Christ is this. There's two things. We're dead to sin, and we're alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen? I mean, we are dead to sin. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've accepted him, you're walking with him, you are dead to sin. And alive to Christ. (laughs) This is a present tense and continual action. In practical terms, we're to keep counting ourselves dead to sin. And alive in God, in Christ. It's a continual process, day by day, moment by moment. We're to continue to count ourselves dead to our old nature, to our sin. We're to put to death the deeds of the flesh daily and put on the mind of Christ. And that comes in a number of different ways. Spending time with the Lord, praying, reading, fellowshipping. You know, something that us as guys slack a lot with is praying with our wives, reading with our wives. I know I do, slacking that. You know, if you have kids, praying for them, reading with them. The kids especially, they really need it. I mean, uh, you know, being a teenager at one point in my own life and not having Jesus Christ, I don't know, you know, how I survived, you know. And some of these kids, you know, they have Christ in their lives, and, and it's an awesome thing, and they're... Light years ahead of wherever I was when I was their age. And if you are their parents and you're a believing parent, my kids, I have an eight year old and a seven year old, and they are way far ahead of wherever I was. My parents weren't believers, you know? They have an advantage. Our kids have an advantage. But we need to be faithful. (laughs) We need to spend that time, we need to get up you know, and pray and read and seek the Lord and allow them not just to see us doing it because we want them to, hey, look at me, you know, but to have, let them see us doing it so that they understand that this is what is normal, <laughs> you know, this is what we do. We read, we pray, you know, we fellowship, we hang out, you know. Before, for years, you know, was a Sunday Christian. We hit church. Leave church. Hi bye as you're out the door. And you know, now I think I'm almost here more than I'm at my own house. You know, this has become like a second house to me, you know, um, which I'm sure it is for many of you guys. You know, this this church is, you know, extremely friendly. (laughs) Everybody likes to say hi, which is nice. I mean so it becomes like a giant family, you know, and we're an extension of one another. And when one member of the body is suffering, we all suffer. You know, so all of us should be desiring to walk as much as we can with the Lord and as hard after the Lord as as possible. You know, for for forsaking those sins that we we enjoy and giving them over to the Lord, not touching them for the sake of the whole body. Verse. 12 and 13 says therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Therefore, since we're reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin and alive in Christ, we should not let sin have control over us or obey it. Sin doesn't have that that place in our lives it had before. That's been filled with Christ. Now we do what the Lord desires for us to do and that is to walk in holiness, in righteousness, forsaking the things of the past and looking forward to the things that are ahead. We need to walk with the Lord and trust him and move in the direction he desires for us to and not with sin. We need to be careful of where we go, what we touch, what we watch, what we listen to. The enemy's always looking to trip us up, Always. You know, some of the people that we we talk to on a daily basis, are coworkers. I I, you know, I work in the automotive industry, and I can tell you, some of those guys are some of the filthiest people. <laughs> and 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 it's amazing to me because, you know, they know I'm a Christian. I've told them I'm a Christian. they hey man, you want to hear this joke? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. Do I want to hear this joke? Because they know I'm a Christian, and they look at me, and it's like, oh yeah, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Good idea. And then I have some of those people who will tell me, hey, you want to hear a joke? Nope. Let me tell you. And they tell me anyway, and I'm like, rolling my eyes, like, you got to be kidding. And I just turn around, I'm like, man. And I just walk away, you know, because what do you do? <laughs> it's amazing, man. People are weird. <laughs> <laughs> but the enemy's always looking to trip us up. You know, the Bible says that, that evil people don't sleep until they cause somebody to stumble. I mean, what the heck is that? I mean, you get such a thrill and joy out of watching somebody who loves the Lord stumble that you won't sleep until you do it? That's incredible to me. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world so we're in good company because we're all trying to get tripped up by the enemy the enemy's trying to get all of us he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he always goes after the weak and the slow so all you have to do as a christian is run faster than the person in front you know behind you that's all you have to do <laughs> No, but realistically, what you should be doing is grabbing hold and pulling them along or pushing them on for the ride. and telling them, hey, come on, walk faster, walk stronger, walk with the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable. Be a rock. Walk with the Lord in such a way as the enemy just can't even touch you. Where people of the world, people that we know, look at us and go, oh man, they don't want to hear that. They don't even think, it doesn't even entertain their mind to come and talk to you about it, anything like that, you know? Because you don't want to hear it, and you're not going to listen to it. You know, when you go into the shop, well, I go into shops, and you see things on the walls and in the toolboxes, they open them up, and they have all these calendars, and it's disgusting, to be quite frank. And it's like, oh, you turn around you walk away. It's like, I needed to talk to this guy, but now I can't talk to him because I don't want to be anywhere near him. You know, well, at least anywhere near where he's at and with the stuff that he has or whatever the case is. But, you know, we need to walk with the Lord in such a way as to be immovable. Walk with Walk with the Lord with force, you know, with strength in him because of his spirit and the things that he does and wants to do in our lives. Verse 14 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. The grace of God has delivered us from the old system, from our old nature, from who we were. It's changed us. The grace of God is everlasting. It's not here today, gone tomorrow. It's always with us. The grace of God. The only power sin has is what we give it. The times that we give in to sin, to temptation, to the things that the Lord is tempting us with. And for guys, it's most mostly, you know, of a female nature. You know, men are motivated by the things that they see. And women are motivated more by their emotions. And so, we need to guard our hearts and our minds in those areas as men. You know, and as men, we need to not manipulate women. Because they're emotional. You know, and I know that... You know, yes, I know some guys can be emotional and some guys, some women can be, you know, tough. I get it. You know, it's not, it's not a hard and fast rule, but for the most part, that's the way it is. So we need to do those things in Christ that that provokes each other to love, you know, and, and not provokes each other, provoking each other to the flesh, sin. No longer has power or control over our life or mind. And if that's the case, then we should act like it. If sin doesn't have control or power over your life or my life, then let's act like it. <laughs> let's walk in the Spirit, you know? Let's not give in to the things of the flesh. Let's not come to church, you know, and be sinning on a weekly basis and then get here and come to the church and then start serving in the church. And then we corrupt the church and we pollute the church. And then the church is sick and eventually dies because we've corrupted it. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to not bring our sin into the church. I mean, we need to leave our stuff at the door, at the foot of the cross, and come in with a, with a new attitude and a new desire. I mean, it's not mind over matter. You know, it's it's releasing ourselves and praying, Lord, Take this stuff from me. I don't want it. I don't need it. You died for it. Then leaving it there, walking away, and start walking in the newness of life. Come to church, serve, get involved, so that your life and my life are better for it. Because if we're all just you know sinning and coming to church, well, then what's the point? We're no different than the world at that point, right? We're the same thing. The only difference is we come here for a couple hours twice a week. And two times a month at night for the prayer and worship night, right? (laughs) And that's what we become. But no, we want to walk in the Spirit. We want to walk with the Lord. We want to trust in Him. Don't you guys want to have a fulfilled and fruitful life in Christ? I know I do. Amen? And the way to do that is by yielding to the Spirit and not the flesh. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God is what? Living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to cut to the heart of the matter if we let it. That's the key. We have to let it. And if we're not willing to let the Lord speak to our hearts and cut us and take those things away to, to cut away at the foreskin of our heart and leave everything there... Then we're doomed before we start. We have to yield our entire lives to Him. We're not going to be perfect, you guys. We're not. I mean, anybody perfect? No? Me neither. Jesus Christ was the only perfect, spotless one, and, and none of us are Him. You know? I know some of us think we're God's gift, but we're not. You know? But hopefully we're growing and yielding to the Spirit more and more every day. It's an ongoing process, daily, yielding to the Spirit of God. And it's not something that happens overnight, but it is something that will happen if we allow the Spirit to move within our lives to do so. We need to continue considering ourselves to sin, but alive to God and Jesus Christ. verse 15 he says, What then, shall we sin? What then, he says. Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Again, certainly not. It's another rhetorical question. You know, Paul sets it up and then hits it out of the park. He tells us, look, no, you don't sin because you're not under law but under grace. You don't continue to sin. You stop. You stop sinning. As a Christian, we don't unplug our brains. You know, we, we follow after a true the true and living God. We read our Bible. The Bible tells us right here. Shall we sin? Because we're not under law but under grace. And the obvious answer is no. Yet again from Paul. Author F.F. F. Bruce says, to make being under grace an excuse for sinning is a sign that one is not really under grace at all. Ouch. You know that that hurts. <laughs> you know, if we think that us being in sin makes the grace of God abound as Christians, I mean, then we're not under God's grace at all. A person that says the more I sin, the more I grace, the more grace I will receive, is in a bad place spiritually. And this kind of thing is deadly. It's like gangrene in the church. Again, Paul hits hits it on the head. When Paul says, what then? He's referring to the end of verse 14, which says, for you're not under law, but under grace. This is a setup, again, for his next rhetorical question, which we got to. Shall we keep sinning because we're not under grace? Paul, again, answers no, emphatically. Don't do it. Don't think that just because you're under grace, you can do whatever you want. You know, we all know that we have liberty in Christ, right? We all know that we have freedom in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I can do all things because, you know, I have liberty in Christ to do whatever. But you know what the greatest liberty, the greatest freedom of all is? Is to not exercise those things that I have freedom to do (laughs) and be good with it. You know, I'm perfectly free to go do whatever, to drink, to smoke, to you know anything that's not sinful. But you know, to drink without getting drunk, to smoke, you know, to do those things that people do, you know. But the better part is for me to have the liberty and the, and the understanding that I don't have to do those things, <laughs> and that is freedom. That that is the ultimate freedom, is to have liberty. But not exercise it. Verse 16, he says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? <clears throat> Paul gained the attention of the readers, and here's this chapter by using the metaphor of slavery. When Paul mentioned slavery, I'm sure their ears perked right up. They're at full attention. The Dictionary of the Apostolic Church, Volume 2, says it was estimated that the population of Rome in the first century was about one third slaves. The slave population was so huge that some suggested that the slaves be made to wear distinctive style of clothing. However, the idea was abandoned because it would reveal their numerical strength. Many free men had once been slaves. As well. So, as many as half of Rome, the Roman Empire, or the Roman Church at that time, either were or had been slaves. And that's a lot. In other words, they all understood what Paul was talking about. Nobody was lost on the flat fact that he was saying, look, whichever master you obey, whether it's sin or whether it's righteousness, you're that thing's slave, whatever it is. Whatever, if you're, if you're walking in sin, you're a slave of sin. If you're walking in righteousness, you're a slave of righteousness. It wasn't lost on them. We all obey someone or something, and this is what Paul was saying. Some people are slaves to work. I mean, always, always working. You know, we, we get bound to that. Some to their possessions, some to their habits, and others to sin. No matter what the sin is. You know, it could be drinking. You could be a slave to drinking, you know. You would be a slave to pornography. You could be a slave to being uh, adulterer to your wh- husband or wife. You can do idol worship, worship other gods. We're all a slave to something. I would rather be a slave to Jesus Christ, and I'm sure you would too. Whatever we obey owns us, and we're slaves. We are its slaves. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either they will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or God and riches or whatever. We can't have two masters. Either we serve the Lord or we serve something else, you know? You can't serve God and serve the world. I can't serve God and I can't serve my flesh. The two are mutually exclusive and they don't work. We're either a slave to one or the other. Paul declares that we are all slaves to either sin leading to death or obedience that leads to righteousness. And notice there's no middle ground. He doesn't give you, you're either A or B or sometimes C. You know, and whenever you take one of those Scantron tests, we all mark C, right? Straight down. You're usually guaranteed to get about a D when you do that. (laughs) Yeah, he's not doing that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, you guys all know it. I know the words, I know the works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. One or the other. Do you want to be slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness? Jesus, speaking to the religious leaders in John chapter 8, verse 33 and 34, says, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Jesus kind of just bypassed whatever they were saying and said, Look, you guys are in sin. (laughs) you know, and and if you guys think that you're you're free, you're not. Sin is a cruel, cruel taskmaster and cares nothing for you. You know, the enemy does not care for us. (laughs) He is not loving. He is not kind. He is not patient. He's not all the things that the Lord is for us. He is a cruel, cruel taskmaster. And We will break under the bondage of sin. But oddly enough, when we're in bondage to Christ, we we never break. We get stronger. And and that's an awesome thing for us. I love that Jesus always tells it the way it is. You know, he he never sugarcoats anything. And, And when he's... Asked a question that's just like, uh, he probably, you know, I can imagine because I know what I would do if I was asked a question that I thought was kind of, oh boy, I kind of roll my eyes, you know, uh, here we go. You know, I'm sure he didn't do that. (laughs) But, you know, he just told it like it is. He wasn't worried about being politically correct like today where you can't say anything without offending somebody. You know, everybody, everybody has an opinion, you know, about something. And you can't say anything that differs with that. Otherwise, oh, man, it's an argument. If we're slaves to sin, we're heading towards death. But if we're slaves to obedience, then we're truly free. And freedom is what we truly need. Obedience obedience to God is freedom. When we obey, we become all that God desires for us to become. Don't you guys want to be everything God desires you to be? I mean... Uh, Man, words can't even express you know just the things that the Lord's been doing in my life and in my family's life the past couple years have just been like oh man Lord what's next you know kind of excited like wow you know let's see what the Lord has it's awesome you know I want to have that fire every day (laughs) verse 17 and 18 but God but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart That form of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. The Romans took their commitment to Jesus seriously, the Roman church there. Even though they were once slaves of sin, their commitment wasn't just lip service, you know. They weren't just telling somebody what they wanted to hear so they would shut up. You know, our kids do that to us sometimes, you know. Go clean your room. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay. And then... They're just in the back of their mind, they're thinking, oh, shut up, you know? (laughs) And then you're thinking, you're going to get it, (laughs) you know? Uh, But it wasn't just lip service. It was a commitment to live by the example that Jesus gave them through his teaching, through his example, through his life. Because they committed themselves to Christ, they could no longer be slaves of sin. Again, I can't emphasize it enough. This doesn't mean they were perfect and didn't sin. I think I've said that about 12 times tonight. I mean, again, not sinless perfection. But that sin was no longer what they lived for. It wasn't something that they went out and did. Verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of sin or slaves of uncleanness, And of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness for holiness. Sounds easy. Well, if we were walking one way, walk the other way. At the end of the day, we're either slaves of sin or slaves to God. Sin, like I said, is a brutal taskmaster. Promises so much and delivers so little. The only thing that it gives you at the end of the day is death. Spiritually, And possibly physically, depending upon what, you know, you do when you sin. God, on the other hand, is a loving father that takes away all our guilt and shame. I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. (laughs) He gives us eternal life that started from the moment we accepted him. The moment you invited him to come in your heart. He gave you eternal life. We need to know the freedom and liberty that comes with being obedient to Christ. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him to pray, and they fell asleep. And he said to them in Matthew chapter twenty six, verse forty one, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Weak. Yeah, I know. We all go to the gym, we think we're pretty strong. <laughs> no, we're not. We're weak, you know, spiritually speaking, you know, we could be so much stronger, you know, because you could be the biggest guy or, you know, strongest girl in the world, fastest, whatever. You're not going to out muscle sin and you're not going to outrun it, you know, unless you're running into the loving arms of God, you know, in which case, hey, more power to you. You know, run to the Lord. If you want to be free from sin and alive in Christ, then we need to watch and pray. So we don't enter into the temptations of life. We need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and off of all the things that go on in our lives on a daily basis that are just nonsense or distractions for the most part. We need to get up and flee from sin. That's our part. Yes, we can watch and we can pray and the Lord will will give us an out and give us a door to open to run. But guess what we have to do? Run, right? Get up and run. The Lord can only do so much. You know? He's not going to pick us up and drag us and say, go. We're going to say, oh, Lord, keep me from whatever this sin that I'm doing and we're just going to sit there and, okay, well, I guess he's not doing it. Get up. Get away from it. Right? Right? Be like Joseph. <laughs> run, run fast. No matter what you're wearing, just run. You know, don't worry about it. Verse 20 through 22. For when you were slaves of sin, you were freed in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you had the fruit of holiness. And the end, everlasting life. When we're slaves of sin, we were free from obedience to God. That's the way it works. If you're a slave to sin, you're free from God from being obedient to God. Okay? Because you're not thinking about God. The fruit of the old life of sin and the things that brought shame to our lives was death. And in contrast, the fruit of the new life is bond servants to Christ, we get everlasting life. We get to trade all of our garbage, all the things. Oh, Lord, look how much I gave you to become a Christian. What did you give him? All those sins, all that filth, all that trash. Oh, wow. Pat ourselves on the back. Glory to us, right? No. We gave him filth. We gave him ashes, and he gave us beauty. I mean, how amazing is that? He gives us beauty for ashes. And, man, some of us had a lot of ashes. (laughs) We're bondservants of Christ. We're servants by choice. It's no longer an obligation. Sin, we had no choice. We were bound to sin. We were slaves of sin. But now we're bondservants of Jesus Christ by choice. Verse 23, we'll finish up. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul sums it up here in verse 23. Death is the payday for the life of sin that we work so hard at. (laughs) But the gift of God, we can receive eternal life with no work on our part. All we have to do is come. And he'll be faithful to remove our sin and shame. That's our part, guys. You want to be freed from sin and death? Then come. Show up. Accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And it'll blow your mind. It'll be something that's far different than you've ever even expected. No, it won't be easy, so let me just set that out there again. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it'll probably get harder before it gets easier if you don't know Jesus Christ. But in the end, you'll be better for it. You'll have eternal life. To spend... Not just for the sake of having eternal life, but to spend with Jesus Christ <laughs> for eternity, for the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-5 through five says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundance, abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in the heavens for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to reveal in this last time. Do you know that you can have victory over sin? Do you understand that now? You can have victory. No longer do we have to be slaves of sin. We can have victory tonight. There's something liberating in knowing that Jesus has already paid the price for our sins, and all we have to do as Christians is walk in his victory. It's freeing. What do I have to do? Give up guilt and shame? Put on the mind of Christ? Accept him? That's all you have to do. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, and we are so grateful, Lord, for the blessings that you give us, Lord, for the freedom that you give us in Christ, Lord. God, for the ability to have victory over the things that just weigh us down, Lord. And, God, I just want to pray tonight with all your guys' heads bowed and everybody praying, Lord, if anybody here doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if you want to accept him, if you want to be free, if you want to have victory over those things that weigh you down, and you know what they are, then I just ask you to raise your hand if you want to know Jesus Christ for the first time, if you've never met him before. And for the rest of us, I mean, some of us have been coming to church for years and we just feel dead inside. If you... Have that feeling if you just feel like, man, I'm just, I don't know what's going on in my life, I just don't feel right with the Lord, then I'd ask you to raise your hand. And I know that we all struggle. And I know that there's people out there that need to have that victory over those sins that are weighing us down. Don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. Jesus will give you beauty for your ashes. And he will move in your heart in a way that you could never expect. For the rest of you guys as Christians, you need to walk with the Lord. Again, I mean, I can't say it enough. It's time to stop messing around. Salvation is today. Tomorrow is promised to no man. Father, we just love you. We just ask that you would just pour out your blessing and your spirit upon this church, upon these people, and to the people that each of us touch in our daily lives, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit would move in a mighty way, Lord, and that you would give us victory, Lord, over sin and death, just as you promised, Lord. As sin just brings death to our lives, Lord, I pray that you would give us a new life, Lord. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: You guys, stand 1000 times I fail, still your mercy remains but should I stumble again I'm your in your grace everlasting your light will shine when